Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Today we're going to talk about some fiery shrubbery, if you will, okay, a burning bush. So different weird things that God's used to speak to people. Um, and we're going to continue that today. But you know what I was thinking as I was putting together this message, that there's, like, there's different ways that you could say you talking to me, right? Uh, and I've heard some of you guys say I'm out in the lobby, uh, sometimes not so politely, but we pray for you. Um, but, but, you know, you kind of got like the mafia, like the, the stereotypical mobster, you know, the, hey, you talking to me? Yeah. It's a terrible impression. Uh, but then we also got, you know, what, what I grew up hearing a lot was the, the good old Georgia boy. You know, the, hey, you talking to me? You know, I've heard that one. Um, I've said that one probably. But uh, one of my favorites, uh, my wife would tell you, one of the ways she hears this the most for me is uh, what, what we call selective hearing. You know, women don't elbow your husbands, okay? I think it's a guy thing. My son has it too, but... But, you know, we can, we can be sitting there on the couch and she can be telling me this important thing and, and I'm not doing anything productive in that moment, okay? I'm just in another universe. And like 15, 20 minutes will go by and I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, were, were you talking to me? <sighs> That's what I get back. So yeah, um, selective hearing is a real thing, okay? But anyway, so those are the different ways uh, that I could think of that you, you might hear or say that. Um, and one of the things we've learned is that, that God wants us to hear from him. We've learned this through this series so far. Uh, we, uh, God in heaven, he does not want us to just blindly follow him. He wants us to have a relationship with him, to hear from him, to pray to him, to, to pray with him, to back and forth and to communicate and to study God's word and to listen to God's word. And a lot of times we hear God through other people, um, uh, the people close to us. Maybe it's a word of advice or even a word of encouragement, but there's lots of ways now, and, and so I do, that's kind of our topic today. So the title for today uh, is How to Hear from God. And uh, so I'm just going to start us off with uh, our memory verse. I've, I've heard some really cool examples of, of people like taking a screenshot of, of that verse in their Bibles and, and making that their wallpaper through the series so far. Uh, and, and by the way, if you missed any of the weeks, I know everybody's traveling. Um, if, if you missed any of it, I encourage you to go to our website and catch up. It's been so much fun and such a cool series to do. Um, but our, our memory verse is this. Listen for, it's Proverbs 3, 6. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So what a promise, right? What a promise that no, you know, if I, all I have to do is listen for God's voice and, 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 and he'll keep me on track, right? Um, and speaking of go-karts, which I wasn't, but speaking of go-karts, um, you know, everybody here knows that you can't win if you don't stay on the track, right? Right? So I want to tell you a little bit about that. But, it, but first, though, have you ever noticed that when God speaks to us, like, we, God, speak to me, God, speak to me, God, speak to me. And sometimes when he does, though, it can be a little intimidating because maybe what God's speaking to us doesn't necessarily jive with what we want for ourselves, right? You ever notice that? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, your parents would tell you, things growing up and you hated it and looking back maybe you're like you know what I wish I would have listened uh, but God's that way with us as, as our father in heaven so I want to tell you a story uh, so uh, my wife's name is Jessica 
and my son's name is Christian, and he's seven. So when we vacation uh, in the spirit of summer, now, I've never driven to Myrtle Beach by way of Chattanooga before. <laughs> but I do have an awesome story to tell you. Okay, so earlier this year, back on spring break, we went to uh, Pigeon Forge. And we do go to Myrtle Beach a lot, but this time we want to do something different. We went to Pigeon Forge. Uh, it was just a couple-day trip. But one of the things we always do is, since me and Christian outnumber Jessica, you know, as far as like the, the male-to-female ratio in the house, sometimes she needs a moment, you know? Ladies, you know that? Sometimes you just need a moment away from the guy junk. So me and him, we, it's kind of our tradition. We always find somewhere to uh, win at go-karts. Now, notice I didn't say that we find a place to drive go-karts. We find a place to win at go-karts, okay? We will actually wait in line and miss a turn just so that we can get the very first cart, right? Because remember, he's seven, so I'm doing all the driving. But we'll, we will. We'll, we'll waste time just so that we can be the first ones in line and get that little advantage. See, I'm teaching him to be competitive at a very early age, and somebody's probably thinking, you know, that's not a very good dad lesson. No, I would argue that that is a wonderful dad lesson, okay? Because if we're going to win, we're going to play, we're going to win. Anyway, that's the reason I don't play golf with Pastor Jeff, by the way. Because if I ain't winning, I ain't playing. So, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so here, here's one of the cool, uh, we have a tradition within that tradition is after each lap, right, that we're winning, and we do, after each lap, like, he'll throw his tiny little fist up, you know, and, and he'll go, pound it, you know, as soon as we, we cross the, 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 the finish line, and so I'll just kind of throw my fist up and kind of catch his, you know, and then we'll get right back into it. Well, so earlier this year, something that he was not accustomed to happening happened. So we, we go to this track, and it's one of the ones that spirals, and it goes upward. By the way, I learned on the, the wooden planks that you drive upward that I'm way too old for that. My lower back hurt for days. Um, it was in April. I think I'm still nursing that. But anyway, um, so, but we got to the top, right? And we had already gone through lap one, lap two, lap three, lap four. Okay, we were coming up as the fifth lap. We're just about to, to go down the hill to the finish line. And at the place where normally he would go pound it, he didn't. And here's why. Because somebody passed us. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I was devastated too. Um, but what happened is, so he goes, uh, uh, so I tried to comfort him. <laughs> and so I put my fist up. These are the exact words of my precious little seven-year-old. And I quote, don't pound it, Daddy. We're losing. Step on it. <laughs> Told you it is a great parenting lesson. Not a bad one at all. That's a wonderful... Okay, whatever. But, um, but anyway, so here's what happened. See, so I told him, I was like, no, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're, we got this. We got this. I need good luck. And so finally, he just kind of... <laughs> but here's, what, here's the thing. So he couldn't see what I could see. We're about to go downhill. There's more weight in our cart, because of him, of course, than in the single cart that just passed us. And I know we're about to go downhill. And so, listen, I, I grew up in Georgia. I'm a bit of a Dale Earnhardt fan, you know. Um, and so, uh, rubbing is racing, church. Okay? All right? Now they say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So, when we're going, I know that when we're going downhill, these are, again, Maybe not the best parenting lesson, but it's, it's the best I got. So we're going downhill. We're going downhill. And I knew that if I could just stay on the inside, this other guy's going to try to swing it. Okay, because he's been trying to, like, peel out every curve. And I saw that. 
So as soon as he did, we just kind of slid on in. And then when he came back this way, he bumped me and went off the way. You know? So we won. <laughs> Thank you. Here's the moral of that story, though, is sometimes, and, and keep in mind, like, I'm Christian's dad. I'm his daddy. I'm his father. Sometimes we don't always see what our father can see, and it's not so easy to kind of go with that. Right? See, y'all were probably wondering, how's he going to make this about God? Gotcha. So, uh, we can't always see what our father could see, but that's what Christian didn't know, is that he could trust me. And we're going to get into all that, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, is how to hear from God. Um, but before we do, so today, we're talking about a guy named Moses. Okay, you may have heard of him. Kind of a big deal in the Bible. Um, he, he pretty much wrote, at least tradition says, he pretty much wrote the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, the big, the big dramatic ones, like, like he's in there. But here's some backstory on him. When Moses was born, he was born in Egypt. Um, he was an Israelite. The Israelites were slaves. Now, he's a baby. He didn't know this, obviously. But there's kind of an edict that's been put out that all of the babies in Egypt that are Israelites, that are slaves, are to be killed. It's kind of a population control, right? It's a terrible thing. But his mom had, had, had the, the, the forethought to put him in a basket and place him in a river and hope for the best because that was a better alternative than watching somebody kill her child. I think we could all agree with that. I mean, God bless him, maybe somebody somewhere will rescue him. And they did. And it was actually Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses actually grew up as Egyptian royalty. Okay? See, what, what Moses didn't know, though, is that before he could even speak, before he hit, said, hit the mamas or the dadas, God was speaking into his life. God had a plan for him. God was already speaking to him. He just wasn't in a place where he could hear it. He was a baby. At some point in his life, Moses learns that he's an Israelite, and he knows what that means. He's, in my mind, there's like this big dramatic thing where he's like looking out from a balcony, uh, and it's probably in my mind because I've seen that in movies. He's looking out this balcony, and he sees all of these slaves that are just being completely mistreated. And there's this one guy that's kind of... He, he's, he's a little hard. This is the way my brain puts it. He, he's a little, little harder than the other guards on the slaves. Now, being a slave would be a terrible thing. Your life's not your own. You're viewed as property. It was this, it was this horrible situation. So Moses decides, you know what? I, he kind of wants to get back to his roots. You know, like, so Moses kind of had an ancient version of Ancestry.com, right? Like we might use. Moses actually goes out and starts meeting the people. So he's never heard like any of their, their legends or stories or nothing. He's, he's grown up as an Egyptian, as a royal Egyptian at that. While he's out there, he sees this one guy, he's being a little more rough, a little, little more tough than the other guards, and he's almost beating people to death. And you know what? Moses reacts to that. And in a moment, in a momentary lapse of maybe thinking about his best interest, Moses kills the guard. In, in just a moment, a guy that had kind of had a cool story up until that point becomes a murderer over one decision. So what does he do? He flees the country, and that's where we pick it up today. He flees the country. He moves to a different area. He meets a family. He marries one of the daughters. He's raising his own family, and he's away from his people. 
That's where we pick up today. So Exodus 3, verse 1 says this. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Like, that's not something you see all the time. Moses stared in amazement, though the bush was engulfed in flames. And get this part because it's important. It didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. See, to hear from God, we're going to learn these. We're, we're going to learn how to hear from God uh, and, and the things we need to do through Moses' story. The first one is this. To hear from God, I need to be a little curious. I need to be a little curious. You know, some amazing things start with just a little curiosity. Those of you who are married, you probably remember what it was that made you want to talk to your husband or wife the very first time you met them. You know, some awesome things start with curiosity. Nine years ago this week, my wife and I walked through the same front doors that all of you did this morning for the first time which was kind of cool. I, I didn't realize that. Just, it it kind of came to me last week. I, I saw that uh, on my calendar. But nine years ago, and here's the thing. So I've been at this church for 22 years. I've been here since I was 11 years old. But I had never been to this church. See, we've, this is actually our fourth location. I've never been here. This was built during the time in my life where I'm certainly not Moses, and I'm not going to compare myself to him, but I was in my wilderness, so to speak. I was away from my people. We're going to have more on that later, but I will tell you this. God sparked my curiosity because when we came in, the lights are different, the music's different, the pastor is the same pastor, but he's not wearing, you know, a buttoned-up suit, and I didn't feel weird because he was over, or he, I was underdressed or anything like that. But what got me the most is there were mirrors across the stage right here. There were mirrors, and they were broken. Like, they were still, like, up. And together, some of you might remember this, I don't know, but it was still up and together. They were in the, we were, the church was in a series called Broken. And it was about broken people coming back to God. So it's kind of cool that when I first came back, that's what the topic was. But what was the bigger thing is that I didn't remember series like that being preached together. Like to where I could just say, okay, I want to learn about this, so I'm going to go listen to these four or six or however many videos or messages. That was so new to me. It was different. It got my interest. All because I was a little bit curious. This, the thing that got Moses' interest was the bush didn't burn up. You know, it wasn't very uncommon to see a burning bush. It wasn't. Travelers would use them all the time if they found a dried up, like a, a dried up bramble or something like that. They would light them on fire. That would be their campfire. They'd cook their food on it. It wasn't that weird. What was different, though, is that this one didn't burn up. So God used something common with a twist that he knew Moses would catch Moses' attention. Verse 4 says this, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. You see, hearing the names, I'm the God of 
Abraham and Isaac, that wouldn't have meant anything. Remember, I said that, like, so to compare this to an Israelite at the time, hearing that would be like if one of us heard somebody say something about George Washington, Abe Lincoln, one of the founders of the country or something, the forefathers. See, but he grew up as an Egyptian. The name that would have gotten him, though, was Jacob, because it was very common knowledge that Jacob was a guy that when he entered into a relationship with the God of Israel, it was actually named after him. God gave him a new identity and a new name, and he changed his name to Israel. So the moment Moses heard Israel, it would have kind of sparked some thoughts. It would have reminded him of his people who were slaves. It would have reminded him that the very reason he was in the middle of nowhere watching his father-in-law's flocks is because he was a murderer. It would have brought all these things back up. Verse 9 says, look, this is God speaking, the cry of the people Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Israel. You see, God piqued his curiosity and then he challenged him to be obedient. Did you catch that? He, he got his interest and then he challenged him to be obedient. One of the things, uh, one of the, the aspects of the Christian life or the Christ follower life or if you're a believer, uh, whatever word you'd like to use, one of the aspects of that is that once we are saved, once we have met and entered into a relationship with Jesus, with God, we get baptized. That's what we're called to do. So I want to challenge you today on the back of your connection card. That's the next step I want to offer you right now. Um, you can even write on your card, hey, send me some information on baptism, and I'll do that. I, uh, when I've, I'll even call you if you'd like. You can put whatever there. But I want to challenge you to take your next step. Take your next step. Number two, to hear from God, I must embrace what God says about me. This is where our story is very, very interesting. You see, you notice a moment ago, God mentioned the abuse of the Israelites. Uh, he, that would have instantly reminded him of the slavery, of the murder that he committed and why he wasn't there to begin with. It would have brought on feelings of shame, guilt, unworthiness even. You see, Moses knew that he had done something terrible which put him on the opposite side as God. He was his foe. He was his enemy. You know, not intentionally, it's just something that happened. And maybe that's you today. Maybe something's just happened. But I believe that all of those thoughts are the reason Moses responded to God the way he did. In verse 11, he, we, we see, But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking in your prayers or, or silently or in your spirit even, if you will. Maybe you're thinking, you know, who am I to raise these kids? Who am I that God has trusted me with, with this, this position in my family or my job? Who am I to educate these children? You know, maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking. You know, who am I to pursue this career? Or, or to succeed in school even? You know, who am I? I've got stuff in my past. Who am I? But here's the thing. God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now, have you ever talked to somebody who just talked over you? Like, you could be talking and they just kind of talk through you. Well, see, usually that's rude, but when God did it, here's the thing about when God did it. When God did it, he wasn't speaking. He was no longer speaking to Moses' past, like Moses was expecting. He was speaking to Moses' potential. God saw what Moses couldn't. 
But Moses protested. He protested again. If you're a parent, you know what this feels like. He protested again. If I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? So at this point, I think Moses is just reaching for a reason not to do this. What should I tell them? And God replied, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is my eternal name, my name to remember for all the generations. In this moment, Moses had to be feeling pretty unqualified. I'm not good enough to do this. I'm, I'm not good enough to, to make this, this thing work. Whatever relate, maybe you're in a relationship today and you're, you're thinking, I'm not good enough to, to make this work. Whatever, and it, maybe, it, you know, maybe it's not a marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. You know, there's tons of kinds of relationships. I, I gave some examples a moment ago about even some of us might not feel like we're worthy or qualified to raise our own kids. But here's the thing. This is an old expression. You might think it's corny or cheesy, but I absolutely love it because it could not be more true. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. God finds you where you're at and brings you in and gives you a new name. He turns Jacob into Israel. And he kept Moses' name, but he gave him a new mission. He gave him a new life. And I got to tell you, I've been there. I mentioned earlier that nine years ago this week, my wife and I, we came here for the first time as adults. In that moment in my life, I was as far or farther from God than anybody here or watching at home today. I was not in the best place in my life. I was not my best self because I was apart from the Lord. You know, I got to be honest with you, putting together this message, I, got, I started to get reminded of my job. You know, you ever done that? The minute like, like you're trying to help somebody else and all it does is bring up memories from yourself? That's where I was at this week. But see, here's what's cool. You notice that God didn't speak, like, he, he didn't even finish that conversation. Like, he, he didn't even acknowledge, I believe it was loving, you know, it seems rude maybe, but he didn't even acknowledge what Moses said. Who am I? Who am I? He just kept rolling out the game plan because that didn't matter to him anymore. He wasn't keeping a record of that anymore. God gave him something new the moment he entered into a relationship with him. And it's the same for us. We all have that. You know, at this time, I would say, I think it's safe to say that God would have given him a uh, an advanced copy for you Amazon shoppers, right? An advanced copy of salvation. Jesus hadn't come yet. Wouldn't come for thousands of years. But God gave him that because he entered into that relationship. And I want to tell you, church, if that's you today, that's, if that's you today, maybe you just came to church because somebody invited you and you want the free movie ticket. Awesome. I don't blame you. I want a free movie ticket. But maybe that's you and you're thinking, you know what? I, I want a new name. I want to push the restart. I, I want to, to love a heavenly father that doesn't keep a record of the, my screw-ups and mistakes. There's a prayer inside your program. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. And if that's you today and, and, and you want to read that, I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to raise your hand or stand up or come down here. I'm not going to ask any of that. All I would ask is that on the back of your connection card, you check that box that says, I am praying the prayer to become a Christ follower today. And the reason, I want to pray for you this week. I want to pray for you this week. The third thing. So, so far, we got to be curious. we got to embrace what God says about us. The third thing is this. Trust God for the outcome. 
You see, when it comes to go-kart racing, Christian has to trust me for the outcome. When it came to uh, almost a decade ago, when I came back to the church, see, I learned that I had to find a place deep within myself where I had to trust God for that outcome that I had always been working toward because my way wasn't working. And Moses would embrace that. He would, he, he, he'd already given in to his curiosity. He had to embrace what God said about him. And Moses would embrace that and go on to do amazing things. I can't encourage you enough to read the first few books of the Bible that, that, that speak about him and just, just really dig in and, and see his story because the truth is, it's most of our story. Moses would do amazing things, signs and wonders. Uh, he would turn a, a staff into snake. He would call down food from heaven. He would part an ocean, a sea. All because he believed that when he commanded those things to happen, God would make it happen. And those are pretty big deals, FYI. Pretty big thing. But at the end of Moses' life, after he had fulfilled God's purpose for him, right? We're 40 years past the burning bush now. 40 years past the burning bush. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5, this is what it says. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. So we're fast-forwarding a lot here. Just as the Lord had said... The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab. But to this day, and get this, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. So Moses is buried in an unknown tomb in an unknown place. This great hero of faith. No ticker tape parade and big fancy coffin or sarcophagus. You know, you would think Moses would deserve the Taj Mahal treatment, right? A pyramid. But God gave him something so much greater than that. So much more significant. He gave Moses a legacy. So that thousands and thousands of years later when Jesus came, people were still talking about him. And here we are thousands of years after Jesus went back to heaven and we're still talking about him in Stockbridge this morning. That's a legacy. It's a big deal. You know, if you're an analytical thinker like I am, you're probably thinking, well, if Moses wrote all those books, how did he write about himself dying? Well, the last chapter, tradition and a lot of scholars would tell you that Joshua wrote the last chapter. Now, Joshua was very close to Moses kind of like his right-hand man in a lot, a lot of ways. But um, Joshua was a big part of Moses' legacy. The very book after Moses died is called Joshua. It's about Joshua hearing the voice of God and leading the children of Israel to the promised land. An amazing, amazing book. But Moses... His legacy being Joshua, Joshua wrote that last chapter. Do you realize that if Joshua didn't do anything else, just writing one chapter in the Bible is a pretty cool thing to get to do? Now, they didn't know what it was going to be at the time. They had no idea. I would say this, that Moses' crowning achievement in his whole life was Moses gave many, 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 many people, thousands and millions throughout history, the things he did in his life, including uh, Joshua was one of these people. Moses gave those people an opportunity for a better life. And if that sounds familiar, uh, it's because our, that's, that's why we exist as a church. Stockbridge Community Church exists to give people an opportunity for a better life. 
You know, I told you that this was nine years ago. Well, my son Christian is seven, going on eight. There's a picture of him coming up here. That is 100% of his personality. Well, maybe 95. The other five is grumpy. But that's about 95% of his personality in a photograph. Okay? Uh, so this is at VBS. Well, here's the cool thing. Um, VBS, Vacation Bible School, was this last week. And there were uh, a lot of your kids, grandkids, neighbors' kids, nieces, nephews, I mean, there were, there, there were over 100-something kids here. They had a ball. Children got saved. Children recommitted their lives to Jesus. But here's what's amazing. This church exists to give people an opportunity for a better life. My wife and I came back nine years ago. You know what that means? Every single day of my son's life, he has had that opportunity. That's a big thing. And I want to tell you, Vacation Bible School, as awesome as it is, and you guys that served in it are absolutely amazing. That's a lot of dedication. I couldn't do it. You're awesome. I told you about his little fist, right? You know, he, 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 you know, he wants to pound it after we went a lap. But here's the thing. It was a little bit emotional week for me because a year ago, last year at Vacation Bible School, my little boy with the little fist gave his little heart to Jesus. And to the best of his ability to comprehend and to wrap his mind around, he embraced that opportunity. He believes that Jesus lives in his heart at his level. That's why I love things like Vacation Bible School. You see, uh, there's another photo up here. These are a lot of your kids. And they got that opportunity. It was a fantastic week. But, you know, so much of today's message has been about us and hearing from God and the steps we need to do in order to do that. But so much more of today's message has been about other people. If there was no Joshua, would anything Moses did matter? That's my question. My question to you today is who is your Joshua? Everybody has one, right? Hopefully it's our kids. Maybe it's the kids you get to teach. I know school's starting back soon. Uh, uh, Maybe it's your coworkers. Hopefully it's your families. But the thing is, Moses knew Joshua, but there were so many more in that multitude that he did not know. See, Moses led the example to give people an opportunity for a better life, and I want to challenge you as a church to do the same thing. I want to challenge you as a next step. We believe that we have to step beyond our walls and do things beyond our families and our friends that are already here and reach out to the community. As a matter of fact, we have Pump It Up. It's coming up. It's the last next step I want to challenge you with today. Uh, it's going to be on July the 28th. And if you sign up, we'll send you all the information you need. But essentially, we buy down the gas next door at a cheaper rate. And you know what's cool is as I look around today, I see some faces who I've either served alongside at Pump It Up or you're here because of Pump It Up. A lot of those people are some of our most active members in the church now. So I just want to challenge you to do that and make a difference and make an impact in the lives of others. If you would, would you stand? I want to pray for you. Father, today I want to thank you for the opportunity to be a part of such a wonderful church. A church that's not okay with not hearing from you. 
You know, while the world tells us that you're a dormant God, and if you're even real at all, you don't speak to people anymore. I thank you, God, today that that is a lie from the pits of hell, and it is not true because you do speak to us, you do love us, and you are not dormant. You are wide awake and active in our life. God, I, I thank you for the opportunity to get to share this message today, and even more so, I thank you for all your son Jesus has done for us. I thank you for the ability to be in a loving, interactive relationship with you and to take it outside of these walls and to minister to other people and show them a practical way that you love them and that there's a better way to have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.